O oh, praise the one who paid my debt and raised this life up from the grave. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed me white as snow. Those are fantastic words, aren't they? And as we just start off this morning, we are trusting that this one, the one who gave himself for us, is going to be lifted up this morning and he's going to be exalted. And we're going to just go back to do a real quick catch up from the beginning of Luke to remind ourselves of what we've learned so far and to see how it flows into the teaching today because I believe that God wants us to get a grasp of this gospel and to see that, that, that Jesus is alive today and that he wants to speak to us in a supernatural way. Our talk today is called You Have a Supernatural God. That's where we're starting from this morning. And reminding ourselves that the Gospel of Luke opens with supernatural activity. You remember whenever the angel Gabriel came to these two old disappointed people, Zechariah and Elizabeth, who had waited all their lives and had prayed all their lives for a child and it had never happened. And they were disappointed. And here the supernatural God breaks into the story in Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, when the angel comes and makes this announcement that God is going to give them a miracle child. And I just wanted to start this morning by reminding you that God is still a God of miracles. And that if you're in a place of disappointment, for any sake, take the dis off it and put his appointment. And don't allow that disappointment to pull you down into a place of despondency. We serve a God who is supernatural. And so following on from that, if you remember, then we looked from that how where the angel then moved into Mary and, and, and spoke to this young virgin uh, and, and told her that she was going to become pregnant supernaturally and she was going to bring forth a child. And you remember from that how she received what the, what the angel said to her and she said, be it unto me according to your word. Maybe that's a word for you this morning. And she hightailed it up into the hill country to her cousin Elizabeth, who was already pregnant, because God had already fulfilled his word to her. And when they met together, no wonder there was this tremendous symphony of worship and praise and, and, and give thanks and uh, lost themselves in the wonder of what God was doing. And so we see that he's a God of the supernatural. And we see that from that point where where Mary and Elizabeth get together, we see where Luke writes in his gospel about the birth of, of John. Then he, he tells us the details and the circumstances around the birth of Jesus. And then he moves very quickly then to the baptism and to the ministry of Jesus and how, how uh, Jesus was performing miracles and teaching and doing all kinds of wonderful things around the countryside. And then over the last week or two, we saw how Jesus then went up and prayed to his father all night and then chose his disciples. And last week, we kind of ended up with the sermon that he gave, which is known as the Sermon on the Plain, on a flat place where many, many people gathered and where this teaching was really geared and specifically geared towards Gentile people. And we saw that last week and we finished up at the end of that sermon last week in Luke chapter 6, verses 37 to 38. And we're going to read that first before we get into the main thrust of this morning. 
It says in verse 37 of Luke chapter 6, Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. You know, this idea of judging not, of not judging, I think this is a real good word for us today. When I was, uh, when I was young, when I was 16, well, I should go back a little bit. When I was 12, my mother was killed in a car accident and then my father remarried. And so I had, when I was 16, I had a new little baby brother. So by the time he was like, you know, time he was maybe 10, 11, 12, I was 16 years older than him. So in many ways, I kind of mummied him. And uh, he used to, the only, the worst thing he could say if I was giving him a telling off about something, the worst thing that Gary could say about me was, you think you're just a big judge. <laughs> that was the worst thing he could think of saying. And you know, I've often thought about that. And you know, there is a tendency in all of us, isn't there? To judge and to judge others. But you know, sometimes what we can do, which is maybe just as bad, we can be so harsh the way we judge ourselves that we can turn ourselves to script. I heard David Lake speaking about this a few weeks ago, and he was pointing out how, you know, we're supposed to pray, search me, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Try me and know my, my anxious thoughts. He's the one who can show us the things that need correction. But you know, the enemy loves to jump in with condemnation and he would have you ripping yourself to pieces. And you know, over the last few days, I found that was what was happening with me. Because although I'm standing up here, let me tell you, I'm no different to what you are. And I struggle with the same things that you struggle with. And you know, this is why the word says not to judge others, but also don't allow the enemy to bring condemnation, to judge yourself in a way that God doesn't judge you. Because God's a God of love. And yes, he does bring things up. And he does correct us. But he always does it in love. He never takes a big whip and thrashes you. He does it in love because he loves you. And he wants you to grow. And he wants to correct you. But not the way the enemy would judge you or condemn you. And then it tells us here as well that we're not to, not only to, not to judge and not to condemn. But that we are to forgive that we're not to be people who hold on forgiveness. And you know, the reason that it's so important that we forgive is because if we don't forgive, then we don't receive the forgiveness ourselves. And we're actually hooked into something and we're trapped and we're kept in a place of pain. And that's why God says, look, I want to forgive you to set you free. But if you want to enjoy that freedom, then you've got to, you've got to set others free and you've got to forgive even people that you don't want to forgive so that you will unhook yourself from that. And we could go into that a whole lot more, but we'll have time to do that. And then it goes on to say in this uh, next verse, verse 38, the, the, the Lord spoke this on this sermon. He said, give and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. I want to really encourage you to be generous. I want you to encourage you to be people who give, to be women who will give, who have a heart to be generous because that's what your saviour is like. Jesus, is a, 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 he is a person who gave himself for your sins. 
God is a generous God and he wants us to be like him. And so this brings us up to uh, where we're at today. We're going to continue from this place because, you see, the Pharisees, Jesus had been teaching specifically to some Pharisees who were very religious people. They were Jews and they knew the scriptures inside out. And some of them were those who, who, uh, who, who really were genuine and who loved God. But there were some who were actually self-seeking. There were some who didn't have God's heart at all. There were people who were strict and they were very judgmental. And they didn't have God's heart they had a heart that would bring condemnation on people. And so as we see this, this, these next verses, we're going to see that Jesus was going to challenge these religious Pharisees about their lifestyle. Because they were leaders, they were religious leaders. And you see, God wants you and he wants his people and the people who lead his people, he wants them to have his heart. He wants us to become givers, to be generous. He wants us to be people who will lead well. He wants us to be people who will put others first, people who are generous, people who are not self-seeking, and especially people who are not spiritually blind. So we're going to look into this next few verses, and we're going to see that Jesus now turns to these Pharisees and he's actually describing them as people who are spiritually blind. Here is what he said. He says in verse 39, and he spoke a parable to them, can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? I want to just stop there for a moment because the thing was that he was talking about the Pharisees because the Pharisees were the leaders and the Pharisees, most of them, were actually pretty blind themselves to what God was really like. They were blind to the love of God and to the goodness of God. They were so full of rules and regulations. And mind you, we're about the same because it's human nature. These were not terribly bad people. They were just people who had been pulled towards religion and had been fallen into that trap. And, and Jesus was saying to these Pharisees, how can you lead people if you're blind yourself? If you're blind to what I'm like, then how can you show the people what I'm like? And so we see that Jesus is going to really speak in a very definite and specific way to these Pharisees. And I want to, for this to be a word for us as well, because you see, the thing is, it's really important who we're following. It's really important who is leading us. Who is leading you through life? Is it someone, is it religious? Is it someone who's leading you down a religious path to rules and regulations? Are you being led by Jesus Christ himself? Are you in a relationship with him? Is he your leader? Is he leading you into all that he has for you? Because Jesus says that if you're leading, if you're, if you're following the wrong person, you're going to end up in the wrong place. You're going to end up in the ditch. And none of us want to be in the ditch, right? Now, whenever I was a wee girl, um, again, I'm thinking I was probably I was probably around ten at this stage. We moved to a new house, and it was an old, broken down house, and my father renovated it, and we had a good room. You know the way you talked about the good room, and the good room was wallpapered. I remember it well with lovely gold wallpaper, and I remember that my mother, you know, took great pride in this room. And I had an uncle, he was actually the 
brother of my my mum's, and I was telling Jerry this story was brought into my mind. I was telling her this story over the weekend, and my uncle was married, but he had no children, and so he didn't have much wit. You know what I mean? He's one of those people that he, I don't think he ever really grew up. He was always like carrying on and you know telling making tricks and all the rest of it. And he and my auntie Aureen had some chickens. And so they nearly always had eggs, and they used to come up with fresh eggs. So one day my uncle arrived up to the house, and I was in the good room, and he came in with these eggs, you see, into the good room. And he says to me, if you take that egg, and you throw that egg up against that wallpaper, it'll neither crack nor break. <laughs> so I'm going, oh, no, don't believe you, Uncle John, don't believe you. I'm telling you. So he kept going on until finally, a 10 year old, what did I do? I took the egg and I tell you I give it some thrust <laughs> up against the wall and the big, all I can remember to this day was the big yellow yolk <laughs> just running down the gold wall. Now, my mother liked that room <laughs> and I can tell you she wasn't that pleased with me and I don't know what she said to Uncle John, but the both of us ended up in the ditch. <laughs> and what I'm trying to say to you is that we have an enemy, and he's a trickster. My uncle was a bit of a trickster. And that enemy will try to get you to follow him down the wrong route. And he wants to leave a stain. I, you know, every time I walked in that room after that for a long time, all I could see was that big yellow stain on the wall. Sin had left a crimson stain. That's what sin does. And if we follow the wrong person, we're going to end up in the wrong place. We're going to end up in the ditch. And so as we start with this today, I want to encourage you. And I want to ask you, who are you following? Are you following a list of rules and regulations? Are you following God? Are you following what he says in his word? Are you, are you really in a relationship with a living saviour who wants to guide you down the right path? who wants to bring you into new things and show you new things and, and grow you. And so we're saying that this is what I believe God is saying to us today. You see, the thing is that the enemy wants us to fall into the ditch. And the reason that Jesus was warning the people was because if you follow a, a leader who's blind, now I... I, was, I did my training when I was in my 30s. I trained for six months to be um, a mobility officer. That's someone who can teach blind people to, to travel around up the town or whatever uh, and to use a long cane. And that was what I did for a while, for a few years. And I know that if you're following someone who can't see, you needn't expect them to lead you too far. Isn't that right? It's ludicrous to expect that if you, if you follow someone who's blind, that they're going to lead you where you want to go. And so Jesus is warning them about following people who are blind. And he's warning us about being blind ourselves. And you see, the reason that, that we can talk about this is because actually, believe it or not, we were all born spiritually blind. Let's read 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. It says, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who don't believe so that they're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand the message about the glory of Christ who is the exact likeness 
of God. And so we need to remind ourselves that spiritually speaking, we were born into this world without any spiritual sight. We were born blind. Uh, And in fact, uh, the Bible tells us that we were born into the kingdom of darkness. And this verse tells us that Satan is called the God of this world. He's the one who has blinded the minds. And we are born in without the spiritual sight. We're born in darkness. But once we trust Jesus as our Savior, once we receive him into our hearts and trust him to forgive us and believe that he has paid the price for us, that because he paid it on the cross, that legally speaking, he has paid the price, that sin had left a crimson stain, but he has washed us white as snow. The moment we receive that forgiveness, then at that moment, we actually are transferred out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear son, which is the kingdom of light. It tells us that in Colossians 1, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. And so this morning I want to encourage you that you don't have to continue to be spiritually blind. The moment of salvation, you are, your light is brought into you, you're, you're illuminated, the Holy Spirit comes and gives you light and seals you and gives you the ability to see spiritually. Let me just read to you from the Amplified Version a couple of verses from Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 because uh, I just love love the way it puts it here. It says, In him you also who have heard the word of truth, the glad tidings, the gospel of your salvation and have believed in and taken hold of and relied on Jesus, then it goes on to say, you were immediately stamped, get a picture of being stamped, you were stamped with the seal of the long promised Holy Spirit. That's what happened the moment that you received Jesus as your saviour. You were sealed, you were stamped, his mark, his seal was put onto you that can never be taken off you, you belong to Christ. And then it goes on to say in Ephesians that that Holy Spirit is the guarantee of your inheritance. And for this reason it says that the Apostle Paul said he prayed that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, that he would grant you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, of insight into mysteries and secrets in the deep and intimate knowledge of him. By having the, listen to this, this is how you get your spiritual sight. By having the eyes of your heart flooded with light so that you can know and understand the hope to which God has called you and how rich is his glorious inheritance in the saints. That's you, his set apart ones, the ones that he has set apart. And it goes on to say, I'm going to read this as well, I wasn't going to, but I'm going to continue. And so that you can know and understand what is the immeasurable and unlimited and surpassing greatness of God's power in and for you who believe, as demonstrated in the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places. Isn't it amazing that this is the light that we are flooded with when we, when we receive Christ as our Saviour? 
we are sealed by the Holy Spirit and we're flooded with God's light so that we can have supernatural <laughs> wisdom and understanding and revelation. You have situations, you don't know how to handle them. The light of God, you have been flooded with that supernatural light and God can give you supernatural wisdom and light to actually see a situation. What is that? Not me thumping, I promise you. So we're talking about a supernatural God. I want to say to you today that at the moment of salvation, you're flooded with you've the Holy Spirit and he floods you with light and he gives you the revelation you need and supernatural. And God wants us to operate at that level. He wants us to be spiritually full of light and not to allow the darkness to creep in round us again and to get back into old mindsets and old ways of going, to get back into, uh, into darkness again. You don't, you're not a child of the dark. You're, you belong to the light. You belong to the kingdom of light, not the kingdom of darkness. And that's a wonderful thing for us to understand. And you see, you do not belong in the ditch. I love there's a verse in, in Psalm 40, verse 2, and it says, He brought me up out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon the rock, and he established my goings, and he put a new song into my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many will see it and fear and trust in the Lord. That's what you are. You're a light. You're someone who's been lifted out of the ditch, and you've been set upon the rock. And God has a purpose for your life and he wants you to be full of light and he doesn't want you to be like the Pharisees in this particular case who were actually, who, who were blind. Jesus described them as being the blind, leading the blind. And we don't want to be like that. And you see, Jesus had come to be the light of the world. And Jesus understood, let me continue to read to you from these verses. In verse 40 it says, Jesus said, A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do we look at the speck? Do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite! First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. we got to remember, folks, that Jesus was a Jew who came to his own people. And by and large, it tells us he came unto his own, and his own received him not. And so a lot of these Pharisees had not received Jesus as the light of the world, and and they were in unbelief, and they were still spiritually blind. And God wants us to be full of light. You see, when you trust Jesus, and, and you're sealed by the Holy Spirit, and the light of God shines into you, and you know you're saved, you can be sure that the enemy will come to try to lead you back into old ways that are full of darkness. Isn't that right? You can be Pride can come, or confusion, or you can even be deceived. The enemy will try to deceive you. That's why it's so important to know the Word of God. And that's why Jesus spoke about a disciple not being above his teacher. But everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And so he's warning them, don't be trying to put yourself above your teacher, but if you learn properly, you'll become like your teacher. 
And you see, Jesus was a rabbi, he was a teacher, and if they were learning probably, pro- properly, they wouldn't be at odds with Jesus, they would be listening to him. And he's warning them about the danger of being self-righteous and seeing the, all, the, all the problems in everybody else, but not seeing it in themselves. And you know, I tell you something, we're all just like the Pharisees. It's not that they were terribly bad people, they're just human nature. And I'll tell you, it's in all of us, isn't it? To be pharisaical, it's, we, we, we tend to go that way. And this is a warning to all of us to walk in the light and to see things the way God sees them and to avoid the deception. How do we avoid deception? By walking in the light. And how do we walk in the light? By knowing God's word, by getting it into our hearts. God's, God, God's word is light. It says in Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If you want to continue after you get saved to keep walking in the light and to, be, to have spiritual sight, to be sharp, to have good, sharp spiritual sight, you need to get God's word into you because his word is a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. And so we see that Jesus has been speaking specifically to the Pharisees and he's talking to them about the blind leading the blind. And the question I want to ask you is, who is leading you? And I want to ask you something else we're going to look at at the very end of today's talk. Are you leading anybody else? Because you know what? God intends us to learn from our teacher. Jesus, to learn from the word. God intends us to be full of spiritual light and to be learning from him, to follow him, that let him be our guide. You know, the Lord can guide you in the most practical things. I mean, we're, re- we're really looking at how we're supposed to behave and how we're not meant to judge and we're not meant to condemn and we're not meant to be unforgiving, all of those things. And there's lots of other things he speaks to us about as well. But you know, the Lord can also guide you about decisions, about decision making. He can give you, I tell you, I wish I had a wee bit of extra time to tell you some of the the ways that God has led me through my life in supernatural ways, just in making decisions. I mean, I can remember one time as a girl in my 20s and taking a notion that maybe I would go and go for a particular job and uh, the job was offered to me and it meant leaving home going away and I remember uh, really feeling I wasn't quite sure whether I was meant to leave home I wasn't meant sure what quite sure I was meant to take this job and I remember uh, writing to the people and saying can you give me a wee while to pray about this it was actually in Christian work and the time was coming near the end and I was still hadn't heard anything I hadn't heard anything from the Lord and I was it came to the night before I knew I was going to have to I was going to have to give an answer and that night I got into bed and I says Lord I need you to tell me whether I'm to take this job and leave home or not and the next morning just got nothing ordinary nothing out of the ordinary woke up just the same no dreams or anything got the Bible out just did my ordinary daily reading and what was my reading for today tarry at home for why would you meddle to your hurt that you would fall? And I can remember I knew, I just wrote straight off, I'm sorry, I feel the Lord had said no. And you know, later on I could look back and I could see that it was right. And God is, I mean, in, in all kinds of ways, 
not often, not always as direct as that, but he can give you that settledness and just that you know and you're knower of what he said. If you want his will, you can't miss his will. That's my, that's my secret. That's what I put over my head. If you really want it, you can't miss it. He won't let you miss it. If you, if you really want it. And so he's a God who guides and he's a God who leads us. And, and he, at the same time, as we follow him and get to know him, he wants us to learn and to increase in, in, in knowledge and intimacy with himself so that we can help to lead others, that we can become good guides. This is what he wanted these Pharisees to be. He, he wanted them to be good leaders who weren't spiritually blind. He wanted them to be good leaders who could lead others. And he was speaking very specifically to them about who they were following and how they were leading. So we're going to move on to the next little bit. Um, verse 43, uh, the next question that the Lord was going to really challenge these Pharisees about was about the kind of fruit that they were reproducing in their lives. Let's just read these verses. He's still speaking specifically primarily to the Pharisees. He says in verse 43, For a good tree does not bear bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. But every tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they gather grapes from a bramble bush. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks. So the question we had at the beginning was, the question was, who is leading you through life? The question now we want to ask you is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Because these Pharisees, apparently, they were not bearing good fruit because Jesus said that, the ba- uh, that, that the, uh, by, their, by their fruit that you would know them. And sadly, the Pharisees, uh, he was speaking to them about changing some things that was going to bring good fruit into their lives. And Jesus said, every tree is known by its own fruit. Now, I was thinking a lot about this because there's something beautiful about being spiritually fruitful, isn't there? And immediately when I think of fruit, I think of love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, long-suffering, self-control, all those beautiful things. And those are all the fruits that God wants us to bring forth. And Joyce Mayer, I just pinched a wee bit out of her Bible because I thought it was very interesting. Let me read what she says. Imagine looking at a fruit tree that depicts all the bad things produced in the life of someone who is unhealthy emotionally. All right? So picture a tree, a fruit tree, and this tree showing all of the emotional things that have gone wrong. She goes on to say, if you look at the roots of the tree, you will see things like rejection, abuse, guilt, negativity, and shame. That's just mentioning a few things. And then she goes on to say, if you have a problem with unhealthy attitudes in your life, they are just like the bitter fruit of what has been rooted into your thinking. I want to suggest, and this is a wee bit of a pet subject of mine, you know that. But you see, as a man thinks, so he is. And whatever is going on in your head is going to produce fruit in your life. Whatever is going on in your head is going to 
produce fruit by the words that you speak. And the words that you speak have power. And when you speak out negative words, then it's going to have an effect. It's going to bring forth fruit that's not good. And sadly, these Pharisees, and I don't want to keep going on about them, because you know what, they're no different than any of the rest of us. And in fact, some of them were brilliant. Some of them did some amazing things and really loved God. Jesus was making the point that it's important that we bring forth good fruit in our lives. And how do we do that? Well, we do it, I believe, by exchanging our thoughts for God's thoughts, by getting his word into our mind and into our heart, by leaning into him that by his spirit, that his Holy Spirit puts and plants his word so that we begin to think like God. When you think as a man thinks or a woman thinks, so he is, you start thinking the way God thinks. Then you'll find yourself speaking the way God speaks. And then you'll find that there's fruit coming that's godly fruit. And that fruit will bring forth the, the, the joy and the, the, the love and the joy and the peace. It will bring forth patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness. And listen, ladies, for this one, self-control. These are the fruits of the Spirit. And I believe that God wants us to be women who will allow his word to change us. It's called the renewing of our minds. And for a lot of us, perhaps through Joyce's name, some things, and sometimes people go through terrible things in childhood. Maybe it happens later on in life, but we can be wounded and we can be hurt and we can, we, can, we can suffer pain and it can cause us to think in negative ways and in ungodly ways. And you know, God wants us to be healed and he wants to bring out a lot of those things that happened to us in the past. He wants us to bring them out into the open and to ask him to, for, to cleanse us and to heal us because he's a God who can heal us from the past. And a lot of things that happened to you perhaps were bad things. But you know the worst bit about it all? It's the lies that you believed about those things that happened to you. If bad things happen to you, the enemy will come and he will put a lie into you that will say, that bad thing happened to you because you're bad. You must have done something very bad. There's something wrong with you. The enemy will twist and turn. And you know what? He will actually add to the hurt to make it keep you in that ditch that we talked about at the beginning of today's talk. Because the enemy doesn't want you to get out of the pit. He doesn't want you to get onto the rock. He doesn't want you to, to begin to flow with his love. He doesn't want you to know freedom and joy and to know the fruits of the Spirit. And so I want to really encourage you about this renewing of the mind, this getting God's word into your thinking, into your thought processes. You know, I have known people, and I've had to do it myself, but I've known people who would testify to this, of having to actually start paying attention to the way they're thinking and actually capture the negative thoughts and write them down so that they can see them and then say well that's declare it that is a lie that is not the truth i am not hopeless i am not helpless i am not stupid through christ i can do everything that's what the bible says and you need to then start to record the truth so you need to actually renew your thinking. That's what renewing of the mind is. It's taking, all, it's taking hold, laying captive of all of those wrong, ungodly thoughts that will keep you in the ditch. 
and it's about laying them out there and declaring them to be null and void put a big x through them and say that's not the truth and you know what that's what the renewing of the mind is it's a gradual change so that habitually you begin to think what god thinks and when you begin to think what god thinks about you then you come into freedom and joy and those fruits of the spirit and that's what it means to abide in christ you know that jesus one of his names is the word jesus is the word of god and when you abide in him you are abiding you are living in his word it's like his word is all around you all those truths about how much he loves you and about how he will and he will correct you with his word but it's good it's great do you know this the one of the times that i get the happiest is whenever the lord corrects me whenever he disciplines me i think wow thank you god i get excited because it's a proof that i belong to him and you need to get excited as well you see if you've got that old wrong mindset you'll take correction as being he doesn't love you that's not the truth because he loves you he corrects you i mean the bible says that 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 it's so important that we are corrected he, he corrects and chastens every child whom he loves it's a proof that you're a daughter that's who you are you know at times throughout william's life i've had to correct him why because i love him if i didn't correct him i wouldn't be loving him and you know the same for your children and so we need to see that god god's word is is so important that's why that you want to come here on a tuesday because you want his word because you know that his word is supernatural i want to tell you something that a few days ago at home i was feeling you know the way you get those times where you just feel you really nearly hate yourself did you ever feel like that where you where you just hear this voice saying you're stupid and you've done that wrong and so many things and a real sense weighing down on me that i couldn't even speak this tuesday i'm going to tell you the truth really felt really like i am not up for this i just can't do this and you know jane will tell you i went i came home and i was from i'd been out and i came in and i was real bad form and i just felt you know i just felt like the enemy was just you know firing those those lies those arrows and i was just like gullible i was just allowing it to affect my mood so i went away up into the room and i couldn't even read my bible do you ever get like that you can't even read and i was trying to pray and i found it hard to pray and i lifted up i had drafted out some of these notes they weren't in this section but i lifted up these notes and i started to read through the notes do you know what my own notes lifted me up <laughs> I went back up into the room and I said to Jane, I said, I'm feeling better because I've just read those notes. <laughs> Do you know what, girls? Whenever, whenever, whenever you're flying and the whole world seems so right and you hear God and you feel, I want to encourage you, write it down. Because in 24 hours, the enemy might have hit you one and brought you into a downer. And do you know what? When you feel too weak to pray or to go and read something out of the Bible, Go and read your own notes and see if the Holy Spirit won't put light to, it, light to it again and give you the lift that you need. Because I'll tell you something, we all need to be lifted on a regular basis because we have an enemy who's very, very real. And I want to tell you, he wants to put you down. Why? Because he doesn't want you to grow and he doesn't want you to become a teacher of other people. He doesn't want you to become like Jesus. He doesn't want you to show his love and his goodness and his kindness and his mercy to other people. 
He wants you to become hard and critical. He wants you to have that critical spirit which many of the, of the Pharisees have. That's what the enemy wants to do with you. He wants to drain the life out of you so that you just feel so low and so bad about yourself that you're just striking out at everybody else and you're a nasty old woman. That's what he would love us all to end up as. But God says, no, you're my girl. I died for you. I paid the price for you. And I'm continuing to work with you. And you know what? Our God has infinite patience. He has infinite patience. Doesn't matter how many times you get it wrong. He'll continue to lift you up. And so this abiding in him is so beautiful. And then finally we see that that Jesus is about to challenge the Pharisees about the foundations that they were building on. And he's saying, if, if, if he's, he's saying to these Pharisees, look, if you believed, if you believed the truth, then you would be, then you would be building on a good foundation, on a good foundation, a solid foundation, a true foundation. And of course, we know that the only true foundation is Jesus Christ Himself. So I'm asking you the question, girl. I've asked you the first question we asked today was, who is leading you through life? The second question is, what kind of fruit are you bearing? Is it the love and the joy and the peace, all of those good fruits? If it's not, then I suggest get a wee bit of time with God and ask him, begin to put his word around you and begin to change your thinking and get into line with heaven so that you're thinking God thoughts and you're speaking God's words and you'll soon find that you will be bearing fruit that pleases God. And finally, the question today we would ask you is, what are you building in your life? Let me read these last verses to you. Verse 46 of Luke chapter 6. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you who he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundations on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation, against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What are you building in your life? What or who is your foundation? And are you building with the wrong motives, which are like the wood and the hay and the stubble? Let me read this verse to you in 1 Corinthians 3. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, which is Jesus Christ. And then it goes on to say we can build with gold or silver or precious stones or, or we can build with wood and hay and stubble. The interesting thing about those verses, and I just very quickly want to finish with this because I think these are powerful verses. Really what, what, uh, what the scriptures are saying is that the only foundation that you can build your life on is Jesus. If, if you're building your life on materialism or uh, any, other, any other thing or any other, any, other, um, any other thing that you think is important, I just feel that the Lord wants to remind you it's not going to last. The only foundation is Jesus Christ. And what these scriptures in Corinthians are saying 
is that he is the only foundation and you can build you can build on him on because he's the rock and you can be like this wise man and you can build on Jesus who is the rock but you need to be careful that you're building with something that's going to stand the test of the fire so you can build with gold or silver or precious stones because if you put them in the fire they'll come out and they will go through the fire and I believe that speaks of having a motive a true motive to, to do what you're doing for God, not for the, not from the wrong motives, not for your for you to puff yourself up or for your own pride or whatever, but because you love God, I believe. And I need to nearly shift back here. I haven't time to go into all of this, but you see, if you look in in Revelation, those first few chapters, you'll see a picture of Jesus, and he's seen with eyes like fire. And I believe that. When we get to the judgment seat of Christ, and everybody who's a believer will get to the judgment seat of Christ. That's different to the ordinary judgment, the great white throne, that's for everybody. The judgment seat of Christ is a personal review, if you like, of your life. And it's not to be feared, it's to be welcomed, because he's going to get rid of a lot of rubbish. It's going to be a clear out. And those eyes of fire will look at every single thing that you've done, and he will see whether you did that for him out of true love, or whether there was an ulterior motive. And if it's an ulterior motive, it belongs to the wood and the hay and the stubble, and it'll just burn up. But when he looks in with those eyes, he will see right into your soul, and he has it all recorded. I believe, they tell us that everything that we've spoken is in the atmosphere. There's a recording of everything. The, the Bible talks about heaven being full of books. God's everything on record. And he will know, and he will be able to see all those things. And I believe there'll be things that you have done, that you did because you love Jesus, but you've never thought another thing about them. And as far as you're concerned, they weren't worth anything. And he's going to say to you, do you know what? I saw that you did that because you love me. And he's going to set it up in the pile with the gold or the silver or the precious stones. And there's other things that you think, well, I did that for God. And you'll have your chest puffed out and you'll be thinking, well, I did a great job there and I did this for God and I'm expecting that it's coming now, it's coming now. And that'll be the very thing that he'll, he'll see clearly. It wasn't actually for him. And it'll go onto the pile with the wood and the hay and the stubble. And so there's a reward. Whatever comes through the, the fire, there's a reward that we can just throw back at his feet again. And you know, we do this, we, we live for him because we love him, but because it's what we were made to do. We were created in his image. We were created to be like him. We were created to do the works that he's called us to do. That's the call that he has on our lives. And so, as we finish up today, I want to remind you, who are you following? What kind of a mark are you leaving around you? Is it like me with the big yellow yoke up the wall? Or are you leaving a mark for God that is pointing people to him? I want to read this last wee bit to you. Our faith is rooted in a supernatural God. I want to remind you of that. A supernatural God who gave his son Jesus to not only identify with us, but to die for us. And he has chosen us and by his spirit, he continues to lead and teach us. He so desperately wanted to lead and teach the Pharisees. He wanted them to come into the fold. That's why he looked over at the Jewish people and he said, How often would I have gathered you as a hen does gather the chicks under her wings? But you would not. 
And he, he will not force us. And he looks to you today and he's saying, I want you to come under my wings. I want you, I want you to learn of me. He wants us to follow him and to learn of him. He has chosen us by his spirit. He continues to lead and teach us. Why? So that we will become more and more like him. That we will become godly teachers who are like Christ. Who are supernaturally equipped to lead others. How? Through our example of what we have experienced, that others will see the light in us and be able to learn from our lives. Isn't that amazing? So that we will be equipped to lead others through our example so that others, as well as us, might be fruitful and build on this solid rock. And so I want to really encourage you today that God, that God knows where you're at, that he's a supernatural God, and that he sees your struggles. And I really want you today to take this in your heart. Don't, don't judge others, but allow God to very gently show you the things that need to be shown in your own heart. Don't cut yourself up in pieces. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the way that you judge others, that's the way you'll be judged. I believe there's something beautiful about just allowing the Lord to come and cleanse us and show us anything that just needs changing or just needs a bit of a change. And you know what? The Holy Spirit will give you all the power that you need to do it. I want to finish with this one verse. We were at Grow last night. Really encourage any of you, if you're, if you're looking for, to know more of the Bible and to grow, then come to Grow. Monday nights here, there are two groups, Grow, grow Down and Grow Up. And there's another one, I think, starting soon called Grow Out. And they're all at different levels and it's a beautiful night. But anyway, we were there and we had a bit of conversation. And Daddy Ellen, Jerry's husband, uh, read out this verse. And I thought it was a brilliant verse. And I'm going to read it to you now. Philippians 2 and 13. Because I believe this is a verse I want to speak over you. Because I believe this is what God's doing right now. God is working in you. Giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. That's a pretty good verse, isn't it? I can read it to you again. God is working, already working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Let me tell you, ladies, God has a plan for your life and God can give you the desire to fulfill that plan, but he can also give you the power to fulfill that plan. That's what we're calling for today. Lord, I pray that you will speak deeply into our hearts. Help us, Lord, to recognise that without you, we can do nothing. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that you want to be the centre of our lives. That you want us to grow more and more like you. Show that, so that we can be light in the dark. So that we can show others how to live life following you, the light of the world. So that we can be fruitful so that we can show others good fruit and help them to bear good fruit and so that we can build our lives on the solid rock which is Jesus Christ. Help us Lord just now as we sing this song. We praise you and thank you for this morning. We believe that you will take your word and that you will make it alive in our hearts and you'll do whatever it is that you want to do with this word this morning. In Jesus name. 
Amen. We're going to sing our last uh, song, which is Jesus Be the Center. Let's just stand and we will sing this song together. <laughs>